history Your faithfulness has walked beside me The winter storms made way for spring In every season from where I'm standing
wanting a place to hide this weary soul This vagabond And I tried with all my might But I can't exist when the fight I'm slowly drifting A vagabond
get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Holy Spirit, yes, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave.
running out 
of God. The evidence is all around us. Creation, we can't, experts on the earth, scientists, they can't even explain. They cannot even explain. They don't know, they don't know how, how, how these things happen and it's just, it's an awesome God. It's an awesome mighty God that spoke everything into existence. And I, for one, I'm claiming that Lord is my Savior. He's my Creator. He's my God. You know, I took my turn in the world living for me, and I'm done with that. The Lord has saved me, set me free from all that junk. Really, that junk, all that junk. Not much of that junk matters on the earth, you know. But the Lord, our Creator, our Heavenly Father, He is where it's at. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. thought he was the one. We all thought he was the one. Everyone did. There was a party and we were all, we were all there and, and some woman comes in and she has a bottle of perfume, a, expensive perfume, and she just pours it all over him. She did that because she thought he was the one. What a waste. We could have sold that perfume and used the money for a greater purpose. I tried to tell him as much. 
And he came back at me insinuating that he was the purpose. Even so, I believed he was the one. I believed that he was going to turn everything upside down. I, 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 just, I just knew it. I mean, people would have followed him anywhere. All he had to do was just say the word, but he wouldn't say the word. Instead, he, my time has not yet come. That's what he would say over and over to me. My time has not yet come. Are you kidding me? He was raising people from the dead for crying out loud. He was healing the blind, producing food out of thin air. My time has not yet come. So I forced his hand. I made his time come. Things needed to push, and I was the only one that had the courage to do it. We were all up there eating. We were all up there. He looks across the table to me, and he says, get on with it. How, how did he know what I was going to do? about the money. It was not about the money. It's just when you have that kind of power that he has, why wouldn't you leverage it to forward, to forward the agenda? People listen to him. You know the sound a wave makes after it hits the shore? And how quiet it gets after a few seconds when it stops. That was Jesus. When he spoke, it was like a, a rolling wave. And the crowd's listening. They were the hush at the end of the wave. Because when he spoke and you were there in his presence, there was no doubt in anyone's mind he was the one. between Jesus and Judas and talk about how Judas ate too despite who he was as a person and what he had done against Christ. And, and Jesus knew that, that when they were in that upper room having that last supper, which you'll see a little bit in, in just a few minutes, that Judas was going to betray him. 
and Judas. His name, Judas, is, is likened to backstabbing, to betrayal, to, to double-crossing. A Judas is, is one who betray, he betrays you while claiming to be a friend. And Judas betrayed Jesus. So I want to look at what we know about Judas, if you'll turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And we're going to be in verses 12 through 16 to start this morning. Was that not a great time of worship this morning? Amen, amen. I don't care how many times I hear that rattle song, I still get rattled. So good. Also a reminder that baptism class, uh, last week to sign up for that, for it start, it's next Sunday, so if you want to be water baptized... Go ahead and sign up at the welcome desk, and that class will be next week at 9 a.m. Everybody there? Luke 6. It'll be on the screen also. It says, One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. Here are their names. Simon, whom he named Peter. Andrew, Peter's brother. James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. So Jesus has to make this important decision about who should he choose. These would be the 12 who would be with him. They, he would train them. They would represent him. They would share and carry on ministry in his name. And he spent the whole night in prayer asking God to give him wisdom in this. Give me guidance in this, Father, to choose the right ones. And Judas was one of the 12 that he chose. Now, when you're looking at that and you know the story and you know what happens, you have to ask yourself, or at least I do, did Jesus make a mistake here? Did, did God answer Jesus' prayer in this? Did God give him wisdom? Did he, did he guide him in this? I mean, what did Jesus see in Judas? Why didn't, he, why didn't he see the warning signs? And then if you go to John chapter 6 in verse 64, 70, and 71, it says, but some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him from the beginning. Then Jesus said, I chose the 12 of you, but one is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the 12 who would later betray him. So he's referring to Judas as this devil, this one that's going to betray him. Judas did not believe. Judas was the one that was going to betray him. And Jesus had known this from the very beginning at the time that he chose Judas to be one of the 12. And he had seen something in Judas when he picked him and it wasn't good. Well, this doesn't make sense. Then why pick him? He saw something in him that wasn't good. And knowing this, you'd expect him not to choose him 
as one of the 12 that's going to carry on his ministry. But, but to have thrown him out and, and all together and say, no, 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 you cannot be with us. I know what you're about. You cannot be with us. But Jesus indeed knew he was a devil from the beginning, and that is why he picked him. He knew he would be betrayed by, by Judas also. And he did many things. Jesus did many things, and you have to look at it like this, that led to his crucifixion. He was all about obeying what God wanted him to do no matter what. So he understood that this was one of those steps in this. One of the things that he did to fulfill the scriptures regarding the Son of Man, God's Messiah. And he knew what the scriptures prophesied regarding God's Messiah and he stepped into that role and he embraced it and he fulfilled the scriptures and intentionally, he did it intentionally, never accidentally. I don't believe Jesus did anything ever by accident. It was always intentional, including choosing Judas to be with him. He didn't make a mistake when he chose him. He knew exactly what he was doing. So did God answer his prayer? Yeah, I believe he did. He gave him guidance and wisdom in that. And, and in the end, you know, some people look at it, well that, well, that really cost Jesus. He was a victim. No, he wasn't a victim. He wasn't being controlled by evil men. And it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't so much that, Jesus, that Judas betrayed Jesus. He knew all this was going to happen. He was serving the purpose that he was sent to earth for. It's exactly what he was supposed to come and do. And, and what tells me this, you know, when Jesus was taken in the garden, it is obvious that he is the one that was in control of that situation. You know why? Because they didn't have to hostily take him. They didn't have to use force. He surrendered. He was in control of the situation. He knew what was about to happen. He knew what had to happen. And he knew Judas would betray him. Now, with Judas betraying Jesus, and everybody likes to point out how bad Judas is, and I'll hit on that a little later. But with all, but knowing all of this, that Judas would betray him, that Judas was going to do things that were going to be against him, um, Jesus never shut off his love from him. That speaks to me so deeply that knowing all this, knowing that he was the devil, knowing that he was going to betray him, knowing that what he was going to do was going to lead to his crucifixion, he never shut off his love and his mercy and his grace toward Judas. The whole time. And he knew this from the beginning. Yet he still loved him every single day. Still trained him. Still showed him in the ways of the Lord. He loved Judas. And that's a characteristic of Jesus. To show love and goodness to all of his creatures. All, all that was created as he did to Judas as well. And to think about how much he poured into him, again, all the while knowing, all the while knowing that he's going to be betrayed by him, all the love that he poured into him, all the training that he poured into him, knowing that he was going to do this to him. And I believe things could have been different for Judas in the end. I know this is all God's plan, but that it didn't have to end the way it did. And, and more than once, Jesus warned Judas discreetly by telling the 12 he knew he would be betrayed by one of them. He knew the direction he was headed. And he was letting Judas know that even though he knew what kind of person Judas was, what he was capable of, what he was going to do to him, he still loved him. Now, there's people in this world that you guys know, 
You know that you know that you know how they are, what they're going to do to you, if you try to befriend them, if you try to do this. Yet, we are sometimes opposite of what Jesus was doing here. If we know we have an enemy, we, we know we have someone we don't get along with, how many of us can honestly say, I just still love them and I give them the best that I have all the time? <laughs> That's difficult for us. But Jesus is our example, and that's who we are to follow. Even with the ones that may be enemies, even with the ones that may be talking behind your back about you and saying things that aren't true, we love in spite of that. That's what Jesus was doing here. It reminds me of the story of the prodigal son. In Luke 15, 20, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. That's what Jesus does for us. When we stray, how many of you have fallen in your walk with the Lord before? Backslidden some. Woo, better see some hands. Okay, I've been there. I understand it. But I'm so thankful when I walked away, he never left my side. All I had to do was take one step in his direction and he embraced me with the love that I knew before. Because that's who he is. It doesn't matter how much I mess up, how many mistakes I make, Jesus welcomes me back and he loves me with an indescribable love. Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians, this isn't going to be on the screen, in, in chapter 7 verses 9 through 11, different kinds of sorrow for sin. You know, there's a worldly sorrow that Paul said ends in death. And I, I believe Judas, I mean, it talks about where he was sorry for what he had done, but his sorrow was a worldly sorrow. And this, this person remains in the sorrow. You wallow in it and you have regrets, but it never moves you out of that sorrow. You never get over it or beyond it. It's a sorrow without, without faith and it ends in death for you. But there's also a godly sorrow that leads you to repentance. I am sorry, Lord. I am not going to do that again. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn away from that and live my life the way you'd like me to live it. There's a difference. It's a regret for sin and it moves us on to faith in God. And godly sorrow looks to God and, and trusts in God and receives from him the mercy, love, and grace that saves us. And it brings that repentance that leads us to salvation and leaves no regret in us. We don't think about Oh, but I did this to you, I did that. No, we, we know that he's forgiven us and he forgets about that and casts that as far as from the east as from the west and he, and he gives us a fresh start. And again, Jesus loved Judas. And Jesus' love is beautiful. We sang about this morning. We walk in it every day. We have to understand how great his love is for us, that there might be times that we stumble, but he still loves us. He still cares for us. He's still pouring into us. And not only does he want us to experience it, but he wants us to walk in that and to share that with other people, even if they're our enemy, even if it feels like they're against us. When we can get to a point, how many of you in here believe you have enemies? You don't have to name them out, especially if they're sitting near you. Okay, But what if we could get to a point where we could be amongst our enemies and still show God's love no matter what? 
What if I could get into that situation like I see that person coming towards me in Walmart and I go ahead and walk towards them? Now, I know some of you don't like that. You're going around Walmart and you see so-and-so. Anybody been there? But what if we had that much love, the love of God flowing out of us, that when we see people that we presume to be our... Uh, uh, assumed to be our enemies that we can still walk towards them and walk up to them and not give them a cart shove in the gut. (laughs) But we can say, I love you. And not so much just saying it, but showing it. Listen, I know you don't like me. I know we don't get along. I know you said things about me, but I love you despite all that. And I want to show you God's love. What a witness that would be. How much of that would would speak to people that I can forgive, that I can love through all of that because that's what Jesus has done for me? Can you be in the room with your enemies and be comfortable with that and love through that? That's what Jesus was doing when he was at the table, sitting there in the midst of Judas who's getting ready to betray him. And he didn't stop loving him. Didn't stop loving him. I can't even imagine that. Knowing full well this, this man is going to trigger me going to the cross. Me going through all the pain and the beating and everything that's about to happen to me is going to be triggered by this man at the table with me. Yet I'm going to love him. I'm going to still teach him. I'm going to still train him. I'm going to wash his feet. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and 28. But to you who are willing to listen, I say love your enemies. This is Jesus speaking. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who... Who hurt you? Let me just read that again for anybody that was disregarding it. But to you who are willing to listen, you got to be first willing to listen to Jesus. I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Man, that's tough. But it'll preach. And also, keep in mind, Judas was one of the disciples. He was there for the healings. He was there, there for the miracles. He saw Jesus operate in this love every single day, and yet he still betrayed him. Anybody ever seen somebody fall away from the Lord? That man, they were strong in the Lord. They were Christ-like. They loved the Lord. They still fell away. We have to be on our guard all the time. You have to be uh, privy to what the enemy is trying to do in your life. Because he'll take you out no matter who you are. If you're not careful, if you're not prayed up, if you're not in your word, he will attack and hit you hard. There are people that are not serving the Lord right now that I thought I would never see that. Ever. Anybody else? 
but he's trying to take us out. Judas was one of the disciples who saw him operating this way. And and, and betrayal is one of the hardest things to deal with. A friend outing you for something that you didn't do, man, that's hard. What's the first thing we want to do when that happens? Revenge. You said, what about me? Now, I know there's some people in here that would have took it into their own hands. I've heard stories. That's not what we're to do. Even when we're betrayed by a close friend or someone that turns their back on you, someone saying the worst things about you, someone publicly humiliating you after you trusted them so much. And it creates this deep wound in us. And not only is it, is it hard to forgive and get through that and you know, come out the other, it's hard to recover from it. It's tough when that happens to you. When someone does that to you that you thought was a friend. And, and as Christians, sometimes I'm like this, and I don't know why I'm like this. I need to learn to not be like this. We are sometimes in this wrong thought process of thinking everybody likes us. <laughs> or we want everybody to like us. Is it just me? I like people like me. Uh, since I've assumed this position i got to learn that it ain't always going to happen. Already happened. And if, if nothing else, looking in the Bible, you understand that everybody did not like Jesus. Now, I'm not comparing myself to Jesus at all, but I'm just saying when you stand for what's right, when you try to love people in spite of things, even through all of that, people will not like you. You'll still have enemies. But there's, there's this thing that gets down in us sometimes that we want everybody to like us and, and we don't know what to do when they don't. What else am I supposed to do? I, I really want you to like me. I, I'm here to tell you that if God has called you to something great, if God has called you to get into ministry doing something, you're going to have enemies. It's just the way it is. Expect it. Understand that they're going to be out there. Understand that they're going to say things about you. And understand when those moments come that you still have to love like Jesus loves. You know, I think, I think too that in spiritual maturity, you can really tell a lot by someone and how mature they are in their, in their, in their faith by when something goes up against them and how they respond to it. I've not always handled things well, I'll be the first to admit it. But I think it speaks a lot for your relationship with Jesus when someone does you wrong and you watch how that person responds to it speaks a lot about what's going on in here. If I see someone that wrongs a brother or sister, like let's just use an example, uh, Kyle wrongs Connie over here, okay? Will never happen, I'm sure. But if Kyle does something, talks about Connie and Philip and just really bashes them and lets them have it and is going around telling people that and Connie goes up to Kyle and responds in love, that is opposite of what the world teaches us. Look around. That speaks to me that her heart is right where it needs to be with God. Now, if if we're in the wrong on that, that also speaks to me. Just speak to all of us. 
the way I handle criticism and I handle wrongs done to me, it's going to speak to people one of two ways. You're either going to encourage them that what you walk and talk about is, is believable and that God does reign in your, and rule in your heart and Jesus is your Savior, or they're going to say, you're just like everybody else. God's love isn't in you because you didn't respond in a way that showed his love to that person that wronged you. And I know, I know, I know it's difficult. I know it's difficult. Christ showed us it is possible to not only love our enemies, but also bless them. Can you imagine at that table that night, him leaning down and washing Judas's feet while knowing everything that he knew? Once we, uh, you know, sometimes when somebody wrongs us and things happen, once we get through the forgiveness process of things, and we can forgive, but then God starts working on your heart to actually start blessing that person as well. That's a big deal. I mean, the forgiveness, it's hard to forgive sometimes, but if you can get to that, but then step beyond that and say, I'm going to bless you now. I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to speak blessing into your life, even though you just destroyed me. That's huge. And that speaks so well of God's love in your heart. If our skit team group can get up here, we've got a, a skit we want to do this morning that Grace had written that kind of speaks to this subject this morning of Judas 8 2. I want you to, to think about a couple of things this morning. And the first one being that who is your Judas? Maybe you have somebody in your life right now that has betrayed you, that has wronged you. You know, when that person's name gets brought up or mentioned, you just kind of, oh. If it's painful for you to still think about that person, go back to forgiveness again. Go back to that forgiveness the same one that Jesus offers us. And then stay there for a while. Just, just stay in that forgiveness mode for a while if you're still having problems with someone. And after that, start to think about the bigger picture. Start to think about where are they going to spend eternity. Because if their heart's not right and they're saying things and doing things to people that are hurting people, Chances are they're not saved. So you can move from the forgiveness to, man, I, I, even if they're so mean to me, even if they're totally against me, I do not want that person to go to hell. I don't want that for them. So I'm going to love them through this, make sure Christ's love is coming out of me so they know what that is and they can experience that. And it's okay if it takes time. And also remember that the forgiveness that you're offering them may be the only Jesus example that they see. So if you don't offer it and you wear this label of Christian, that's what they see. And they walk away wondering, what's the big deal? What's the big deal about being a Christian? 
because I don't see it. You want them to have that forgiveness, to see that love come out of you. And we're going to show a little bit of, a little short skit here about that. Oh, Lily, hey, um, do you think you could possibly help me with that chemistry homework that we had last night? I didn't really understand it. I already turned it in, sorry. Can we just talk about this? It's not what it looks like. <laughs> right. There's nothing to talk about. You're really not going to even talk to her? She was your best friend. <laughs> yeah, one that started talking to my ex one week after we broke up. A fantastic best friend, for sure. I have nothing to say to her, and I'm especially not going to help her with her homework. I thought you said you turned that in already. <laughs> yeah, well, I have to go to history. I'll talk to you in fifth hour. You know, I can't believe that she did that to me. And then she expects me to act like nothing even happened, as if she deserves literally anything from me. Judas, it's about time you got here. Where you been? J Judas? Judas, the one that betrays Jesus, that one? I, I don't even know what that means. <gasps> oh. What is happening? Am I really at the, the Last Supper? And why do they think I'm Judas? I don't want to be Judas. Judas, you must be weary from your travels. Let me wash your feet. I'm glad you could make it to supper. <laughs> Jesus, it's really you. I can't believe this is happening. I, I suppose I'm Judas. You must not want to wash my feet. I mean, I betray... Wait, you know, don't you? And you're offering to wash my feet? Eat with them? Me? I'm going to betray you. Why are you treating me like all the other disciples? Your sins do not define you. In fact, I'm willing to lay down my life for them. You should show my love to others also. I, I just don't understand. You have the chance to stop someone who's going to, to betray you. And you choose to eat with them? Wash their feet? I don't get it. For it is God's will, and my love does not discriminate. Even when they stab you in the back? Yes, even then. Okay, this has been awesome. I can't believe this actually happened. Thank you, Jesus, you've helped me so much. And I would love to stay and eat, but I have to take care of something. Very well. Goodbye, <laughs> Judas.
Hey, wait up. Um, oh, Lily, hi. What, what's up? I was wondering if you maybe wanted to come over later. I think I remember how to do chemistry. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Thanks. See you then. Right. See you then. I guess we sometimes need reminders of who Jesus was and who we're supposed to be. As they kind of exit the stage, I'll ask our praise team to kind of swap them places here in a minute. What a great example of the love of Jesus. And we, we have those opportunities and those moments throughout our days a lot more often than we probably think of, that we can be an example of, of God's love to people. Even when they may say something to us, they may do something to us, they may cut us off in traffic, they may hop in front of us at Walmart with two cartloads of th things in their hand, you know, carts, and we have one thing in our hand, and they go ahead and stay in front of us. But there's always opportunities to be like Jesus. And, and sometimes I think we... We don't do right by Christ. We talk about his love. We sing about his love. We go through the motions sometimes about his love, and, and really we don't even really show it. Not just in people that have wronged you, but in anything. If you see a brother or sister in need, we are supposed to help. We are supposed to be ourselves disciples of Jesus and, and trying our best to follow him, but how many times... Throughout our days, throughout our weeks, do we see needs, do we see things happen and we don't respond? We know how, we have knowledge of Jesus, we just don't have the application of that knowledge. Does that make sense? We read all about him, but it's another thing to apply it and live it out. Me as well. If our praise team will come, and you guys will stand this morning. Judas 8, 2. Despite how evil he was, despite being bought off, despite all of that, Jesus knew, and still, he ate at the table with him. He still washed his feet. He still loved him every single day and didn't hold something against him that he knew to be true already. So as you bow your heads this morning, the first thing I want to ask you, is there someone in your life, is there someone that comes to mind right now that they are your Judas? They've wronged you hurt you and you need to forgive and not only forgive you need to bless you need to bless them 
You need to pray blessing over them. Here's the reality this morning. As we talk about that first part of our altar call, here's the reality. We're all Judas. We're all Judas. We've all betrayed God at one time or another. We've all done something that he would not be proud of. So this morning, you know, maybe that's you. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm Judas. I'm who he's talking about this morning. I've betrayed the Lord. I've not served him like I should have been serving him. I'm not loving people like I should be loving because of, of other things that have happened. Then you need to spend some time in this altar this morning and experience the love that Jesus has for you and let him forgive where you feel like you've hurt him. And as always this morning, if you need healing in your body, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, this Jesus that we sing about, this Jesus that we pray to, if you don't know him this morning, I encourage you to take a bold step from your aisle, from your seat, and come down to this altar and get to know the greatest love that's ever existed. And if, you, and if you're feeling like this morning, I'm Judas, I need, to, I need to rededicate my life to the Lord before it's too late. I don't want to walk out of here knowing that I've hurt the Lord, that I've done some things that are against him without asking for forgiveness and making things right. I want to open up these altars as we sing and pray this morning that God, his Holy Spirit would just have his way in here and minister to people's hearts. You, knew, you know you better than anybody else does. If you're dealing with anything this morning, I pray you come and you give it to God today. In Jesus' name, amen.
such a great God and God the more we know you the more we find that out in our lives and the more we can walk in a peace that passes all understanding Father you don't leave us you don't forsake us and as we draw near to you you draw near to us Father and I thank you for that Lord I thank you for Orchardville Church Lord I thank you that in moments where individually we go through battles that we have an whole army of believers surrounding each other battling and praying and interceding on behalf of those that are struggling and going through things, Father. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you for the harvest that's out there that we are about to see in our church. And God, I pray right now, Father, that we are ready for that. Lord, that we are seeking you every day. And Father, as we seek you, as you bring those people into our lives, that we minister and we minister and we minister, Father, with a courage and a boldness that we have not known before. Let your Holy Spirit rise up within us. And Father, I pray that our mouths will not be able to stay shut when you send people our way. That the Holy Spirit tugs on us so hard that we have to speak into people, we have to encourage people, and we can no longer idly sit by and watch people go through things without letting your Holy Spirit speak into that situation. Father, I praise you for who you are. I thank you for who you are. And God, I anticipate great moves of your spirit and encounters with you God Lord I can I can preach messages we can sing songs but it's an encounter with you and your Holy Spirit that will change people and let them know how real you are and I praise you and I thank you for that Lord be with us today as we go home Father keep us all safe give us a burning passion and a desire to know you more and to share that with other people and Father don't let us not be afraid of no's But let us anticipate those yeses, God, to you. Because it's worth it, Father. It's worth it to share. It's worth it to lead someone to you. 
And Father, it's such a great feeling to know that we were utilized as, as a tool in your hand to minister to people and to lead them to you. Father, bring them in, Father, and bring them to us as we go out. We praise you and we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I want to make a little bit of an announcement. I didn't see till just now, but we have a new addition to the church family over right over here. Emberly Sharp. My guess is they did not leave her somewhere. She's sleeping in her pumpkin seat right there in front of them. So, so happy for the addition of Emberly to the Orchardville Church family and for Dylan and Audrey. I'm a little partial. I got to marry them and see all this unfold in their love life and their family. So, very proud of them. Uh, don't be handsy with a baby. She's brand new, okay? All right. Love you guys. Have a great week. Tell somebody about Jesus.